0: What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Lightning Lamp Podcast. I'm here with Tim. Your host with not really the most. And this week's episode, we're just going to be doing our little ode to our farewell to the tweener teams, the teams that have since since last week been eliminated. And essentially, that boils down to the New York Rangers, the... Dallas Stars technically speaking the Stars are still in it but I think if the Predators get like 2 or 3 points then the Stars are out of it so there's a definite chance that the Stars could come back there there's always a chance but I've been think... wrong before but let me pull up the standings here because they're down by 3 points but they have a game in hand the Stars can reach if they get 8 points 64 points but I think they would play each other at some point. There, there's a clinching scenario for the Predators tonight. I know that. So, um, we'll talk about the Stars. We will talk about the Rangers, and we'll talk about the Arizona Coyotes. And I guess we'll start in you know the hotbed of the hockey universe right now. Uh, you know Manhattan, New York Rangers. Jeff Gordon and John Davidson were fired today. Uh, you know the story goes that they were trying to distance themselves from the post that the New York Rangers made on their social media account the other day, and then today they were actually officially let go, goodbye, out the door, forget about it, <laughs> I'm walking in, you know, the whole nine yards, so... They, the the club said it was unrelated, It's they said that they were unhappy with the way that the team performed this year, and I mean, the Rangers definitely did underperform a lot of people's expectations, mine included, you know, I, I picked them to finish second in the division, but... I guess before we really get into what happened this year and why the team fell apart, you know, as a Rangers fan, is this from the team or do you think that this is the Rangers organization saying, look, if you're not going to stand with us and protect our players, then you're out the door?
1: I 100% think it's that. That statement doesn't... The statement that they released about it doesn't sit well with me that it was not related. Uh, I just... Because if you, you're disappointed with the team in the season, you fire the coach. You you don't fire your GM who, and your president. And John Davidson is, well, is very well respected and liked around the league. So, it's kind of, a little. I don't want to say it's out of pocket, but like, it's a little out of pocket for them to just fire him on the whim like that. But I, I don't disagree with it really. Honestly, though, like if. I think at a certain point you need to like argue with the people who run the league when you look around the league especially this season with some of the hits that have been thrown and some of the questionable fines and not suspensions that have haven't been handed out you have to look at around the league and if your gm and your president aren't going to stand with you as an organization when you believe when you feel you're right and when i mean objectively they really weren't that wrong in saying what they said. So, I'm not really that surprised. Yeah. I But on the same topic, I really wish that the Rangers would stop trying to be the Yankees, and I think that's kind of what this was. They're not the clean... They, they never were the clean-cut, super respectful, nice boys in the league. Like, that's not what they were. Pretty much ever. They were always well-respected because of the organization being the top original six, but, like, these weren't guys who were going and pussyfooting around out there. They, I mean, we had Brendan Shanahan on the team who is, let's be honest, one of the biggest goons in history. Like, I don't, and I think that's kind of what maybe came down to the line of it, is that, but it's hard to say, though, I don't know.
0: I mean, I don't have an issue with the the firings being for either reason. I mean in my in my heart of hearts, like if you ask me what I thought. I mean, you can't have a general manager and a president who's not going to stand with the team. You just can't. I mean it's not going to function, not to mention that's going to be a toxic relationship with the players, because think about it, if they didn't fire those two. And then Ward later got out that they distanced themselves from that statement. You know, if you're Artemi Panarin, what do you, how do you feel about that? I would—I I don't understand—if I was Artemi Panarin and that
1: happened to me, I understand the league and the, the rationale of the league and the respect that the players have for the man at the top. But at a certain point, I don't know how the players' union didn't even try and step in on this about the safety aspect And (laughs) like the fact that no one, even on the cap. So I know that the Capitals are a bunch of scumbags in their organization. And I know why they didn't address it. But the fact that they didn't address it is a very bad look for their team to everyone else, in my opinion. You can't go out and because everyone around the league is saying that this was belligerently bad. It was was vicious. It was unnecessary out of pocket and that he should have been suspended and that it wasn't. Fairly um, do. Anybody with half a brain cell, anyway. Like, so... Shout out to uh, Ryan Whitney. I don't know if there's some miscue that the Capitals aren't picking up on, but they should really understand what happened and maybe put a statement out saying something. I But they have to stick by their players, so I understand where why they're handcuffed.
0: But I mean, here's the thing, right? So your question about the players union why they didn't say anything is because they're kinda the reason why guys like Wilson can do what they do, because they negotiated the C B A to be written that way. And there's a reason that five thousand dollars is the max fine. That's because the players union wanted it to do that. So the players union I mean the players union are partially at fault here in my opinion. The five thousand dollar fine I understand
1: like I understand that like they want to get the players like the least amount of in trouble that they can do. Like, that's the job of a union, obviously. It's what they're kind of built on. So, Which is kind of a crock of shit. It's a bit of a crock of shit, but <laughs> I, I don't understand how players around the league can't, like, stand up. The fact that I really wish there was some large movement of people around the league calling out George Paros for this, or even just calling out Tom Wilson for this. Like, we, I haven't seen enough people in the NHL who play talking about this. Because... What they're not talking about is, what if this was your teammate? What if this was your superstar? What if they did this to Connor McDavid? Darnell Nurse would have went off the wall. You know the thing is, you know, and I and also just one more thing, we have a replay up right the second of the, what just happened. The fat I understand the ref's job, I understand their position, but when you see him slamming him into the ice with the both linesmen already tangled up you have a job as an official on the ice for the safety of the players
0: well i think that the the referees in question from last night first of all i don't know why he wasn't given a game misconduct instead of just a 10 minute major or 10 minute misconduct he should have been thrown out of the game first of all and the department of player safety you know i've seen a lot of people it's funny because you said like the players aren't calling him out for it and that's, you know, I'm not surprised. I'm disappointed, but I'm not surprised. They have the biggest voice in all of this, really. Like,
1: I, they don't—I'm not sure if they don't— under, I, I really do understand that, like, the NHL is this respected structural hierarchy, almost like, it, like a feudal system in Japan, where, like, the guy on the top is without question on top, and you don't question him. But at a certain point as a player, where do you think of your safety— I wouldn't feel comfortable skating against guys like him, and it. What What's worse than anything is this that said
0: to me that anything goes up to that point. Well, that's what. Um, what's his face? That's what uh, John Scott. He put out a statement saying that the next time he's in a scrum, if he was still in the league, the next yeah. time he's in a scrum, he'd just be like buying everyone. Because why wouldn't you? And. I think that, you know, we've seen incidents like this occur before. So this goes back a long time. Um, you know, New York Islanders fans know all about this. The fight night against the Pittsburgh Penguins was the result of uh, Max Talbot not being suspended for his cheap shot on Blake Como. And mm-hmm. the Pittsburgh Penguins, you know, hubris and all that situation. And obviously, look, I, I the Rangers are not built the same way that that new york islanders team was but if anything happens tonight which i anticipate things will be happening tonight it's a hundred percent the any blood that shed is on the back of the national hockey league at this point because they blew it and the department of player safety blew it they had tom wilson is a repeat offender he's been i think suspended seven times and fined twice he basically threw them a meatball, like, a, like a 80 mile an 80-mile-an-hour fastball down the middle, like right at belt Not even level. 80, like a
1: 75-mile-an-hour. Like it, it, it was a middle
0: school fastball. The Department of Player Safety whiffed. I mean, there's no, absolutely no question about it. And I think that what this says to me is George Paris, he can't do his job. He needs to be relieved immediately. Bill Daly also needs to be relieved immediately. And, you know, it's funny because, like you said, not a lot of players are calling him out, but a lot of hockey media has been calling out. The whole
1: media is speaking about it, but I would love to... Like, we need to see more players because they're the ones who
0: are really affected by this whole thing. The issue is you're probably not going to see that because the players don't want to go against the union, and the union is the reason why he wasn't suspended in the first place. Because the way they wrote the CBA... And this is why I think the NHLPA has a very, like, a lot of the blood in this situation is on their hands. Because the way they wrote the CBA was to minimize player punishment, when in reality, it should be to hold people accountable. Because that's what the Department of Player Safety is supposed to do. I
1: completely agree. I I just, they're not, they are at indirect fault, or, but I don't, they're not, like, the direct fault for the situation right this minute. In our hands, because... There's a person who was supposed to be giving judgment calls
0: on what was getting done, and he didn't do his job. And, you know, the other issue is we heard earlier in the year that uh, the Brandon Carlo hit that Wilson was suspended for. Apparently, Gary Bettman was the one that had to step in and tell Peros to suspend Wilson because Peros didn't want to do it. So, clearly, this guy can't do his job. I don't know if he's betting on Washington or something. He needs to be removed. I mean... I like George Paris as a player, but he cannot do his job. There's very clearly an issue with him and being in his position. And he's clearly just He's incompetent. He can't do it. He's incompetent.
1: I honestly think that he just doesn't want to suspend superstars.
0: He's incompetent. We didn't see who
1: who was it in that Boston game that threw that hit that we talked about.
0: Oh, um I don't remember. I know what hit you're talking about when he came like flying across the ice like in a clear charge. Nothing even happened with that hit. I mean, he didn't. Su- he didn't suspend McDavid for elbowing him. He didn't suspend McDavid twice. for elbowing him.
1: I don't know if anyone saw last night, but Sidney Crosby was slamming someone's head into the ice last night with the
0: same way that Tom Wilson did. But Goss despair got suspended instead. So it's like,
1: <laughs> but for some I... reason, Goss despair, the no name, essentially compared to everyone else, compared to Tom Wilson, Connor McDavid, and Sidney Crosby
0: is a no one. So he
1: got suspended two games.
0: It's just not a good look. It's not a good look for... And I mean, you know, I don't want to go too much into detail just because if you guys are curious, I did put out a mini pod on like my thoughts on everything. Um, But I will just reiterate and say it's not a good look for anybody involved. It's a really bad look for the Capitals. It's a bad look for the Department of Player Safety. It's a bad look for the league. And it's a bad look for a lot of hockey media who's trying to defend him. And... I'm going to call them out again, Ray Whitney and Bissonette on Spittin' Chicklets. Ryan. Uh, Ryan Whitney, sorry. You guys got to be better because, unfortunately, and I hate that this is a reality, but you're kind of a face of our sport, and for you meatheads to be posting the stuff that you're posting is not okay. What? So my last
1: thoughts on this whole thing, with involving the Tom Wilson aspect of it, not the Rangers and their, excuse me, organization, is – you put it back even 15 years, I have no problem with what he did. Because 15 years ago, someone would have taken their stick and smashed it over his back. You would have had two or three of them, and you would have had the goalie fly down the ice. Even 15 years ago, we're talking about. Even in the early, 2000, early, mid, early 2000s. If you did that while Cronwall was on the ice, he would have killed everyone on your team. He literally would have assassinated every single person, including the goalie. And... Then everyone would have, and then everyone would just got would have went away. They would have got their penalties, and the game would have been over, and no one would have cared. But the reality is, we play in a entertainment league at this point. We don't want people getting hurt. We don't need guys slamming people's face into the ice so they can't play. We play in a league where we want to see our guys play eighty two games a season. They're not meant to play forty five. Because someone goes and boards them face first into the boards, and if you want that to be the way it goes, and if you want to allow that, then you need to allow for the fighting and the repercussions on the ice. When you don't allow for people to deal with it on the ice like they should, then nothing will happen. And I think this goes back to the this is back to what the Rangers organization. I wish the Rangers weren't such Yankees in terms of the sp- baseball and that they weren't trying to be so clean-cut and professional all the time. And I really wish that they would have that game. But I guarantee you what Quinn said when they went to the locker room was, don't go out there, don't do anything, let the league handle this. And that's not the way it should have been done
0: because it's clear that the league wasn't going to handle it. So I guess we could pivot the conversation to the Rangers missing the playoffs and, and possibly reasons why. And, I mean, it's not a secret around the league that this is not a really... A, a a traditionally tough team. You don't really have many guys that are fighters or scrappers. And, you know, a lot of teams around the league... I won't say a lot, but a couple of teams around the league are, are kind of going... Like, sh- trying that experiment. But, you know, we saw it last year with the, the Leafs having basically four scoring lines. And then this year, they end up getting some some tougher players. Like, do you think that maybe... That kind of lack of edge, I mean, they have guys like Brendan Smith who will throw some hits. They have guys like Ryan Lindgren, who's a tough player in that. he's made out of steel right off the face off Sorry to cut you ball. off, but we had a <laughs> line
1: brawl in the Rangers game right off the face off that were as on in the
0: background yeah, and it's, it's, but what was interesting was the what, the capitals player dropped his gloves first. yeah, but it's kind of funny because like none of these guys are Tom Wilson, so
1: yeah. Why are they not even paying attention to the fights, the refs? It was.
0: That was very interesting. But, uh. Yeah, no, that's. That. It's interesting because, you know, it's not over. This is very clearly not. That's not going to be the last fight of the night for sure. But, um. You know, I was just saying, you know, do you think that maybe that lack of. Grit really is, is kind of like part of, not in the entirety, but like maybe part of what hurt the Rangers this year. Maybe a lack of toughness, a lack of... For the
1: past 20 years, I would say, that has been the Rangers' problem. Even when you had guys like Dan Girardi, Ryan McDonough, Mark Stahl on the team, your only hidden defenseman was, or the only hidden player on that team still, was Chris Tanev. Or Ryan Callahan. Or, and Callahan, little animal, furious little fuck, but not, you need someone who can go out there and, because you can't play the game and worry that your superstars are going to get T-boned, and because you can check in the NHL, you can get away with some questionably dirty hits, often. So you can't go out there with the thought that, oh, they're they're just going to hit Connor McDavid, they're just going to beat him around, and we're not going to do anything about it.
0: I mean, we saw that be an issue for the Leafs last year in the playoffs, and we've even seen it this year a couple times where Austin Matthews has basically gotten run. You know, he's gotten checked in the head a couple times, and essentially nobody on the Leafs did anything. And it just kind of is very questionable because it's one of the situations where— even, um, if, even if you don't load up on fighters, like I'm going to talk about the Islanders because that's a team that I know. No, past. you need size. Even if, okay, two more fights. Um, there's Wilson. He's getting into a scrap with who? Is that Brendan Smith. Yeah, yeah, that's Brendan Smith,
1: the only one who would probably be willing to fight him.
0: You know, I still have no respect for Tom Wilson. Though, like, I have literally less than zero. To be honest, if I was
1: any of the Rangers on this team on the ice right now, I would third man in him.
0: I mean, yeah, like you might. I would literally
1: third man in and just take him down and beat him because he, Brendan Smith, is kind of getting his ass kicked right
0: now. Honestly, I just like you know what it is. I don't respect Wilson for dropping the gloves here because he shouldn't. This should never have even happened in the first place, and it's just a joke. Like he's just a joke. He's a fool. He's a garbage hockey player, and I have no respect for him. But. You know, if we talk about, like, the Islanders, like, I, you know, obviously I know the Islanders best, right? So even a guy like Anders Lee, who's, like, not a fighter, you know, like, he'll still drop the gloves when he sees a bad hit. Or even a guy like Josh Bailey, who's, like, small and scrawny, like, it's, he'll still drop the gloves. I
1: don't even think you need to worry about fighting. But you need to—you can't go out there and not pose the threat that if they hit your superstar that you're not going to hit theirs you can't you need to be able to pose the threat that if you make this a game of hitting and you essentially lose the skill aspect of it and you just start running around hitting people you need to be able to combat that to hit their players back like, cuz if you're not you're just like i said what we saw with Boston Matthews you're just going you're going to get run same thing with when Ovechkin dropped um Svechnikov.
0: um hello where was the team like, nobody did anything, yeah. I don't know. I think it's, uh, I think every team needs, you know, you don't necessarily need a guy that's going to go out there and be like, you know, a, a George LaRock or, <laughs> ironically enough, like a George Paros right? Like, you don't need that guy who's only out there just to fight people. But I think it's important to have that threat. Because even a guy like... You know, you look at the Islanders, like the whole fourth line. Martin, Clutterbuck, Zekas, And you look at the defense, like Pulak, Pelik, You know, these these hard-hitting, tough-checking guys. And then, like I said, even a threat of, like, if you run Matt Barzell... Anders Lee's not a fighter. He's probably not going to piece you up. But he's going to come over there and he's going to chuck Nucks with you. Not and, like, even like, you that. need that threat of, like, listen, I'm going to hold you accountable because you're not going to do this to my team.
1: Rangers play the Islanders, let's say... Chris Kreider, stupidly, because he's stupid, he's I don't even, not even saying he intends to do it. Let's say he accidentally boards someone on the Rangers. Let's say he accidentally boards Barzell. Panarin's going to have to have his head up the rest of the game because Anders Lee, as a captain and as a player, is going to go for him and Kreider. You can't be... It, it's, and I don't want to make it because he's a superstar, but the fact of the matter is, is he, he did
0: beat up a superstar and you need to be able to defend your superstars. So besides the maybe potential lack of of grit on the team, like what else do you think really was kind of an issue with the Rangers this year? I think
1: that's I think every issue stems off that though because I have issues with Keandre Miller because he's not physical and he tried to use his stick too much and he played really well in the beginning of the season. He was on the money, his stick was on the dime. And then halfway through the season he lost it and he's kind of looked shitty ever since. He's giving up turnovers he's losing battles same thing. I, I would love to s- Adam Fox I can't really talk bad about but the guy drops muffins and he tries to st- use his stick to get out of the situation when I would love to see him tie them up instead. I would love to see the Rangers go into the corners and boards more just to battle. They're, doing, they're trying to do a lot of stick work and it's not working. They have the skill to do the stick work, but they don't have the size to bat, like, to... Because Ovechkin can stick lift anyone in the league. He's a bull. He's not, like, seven foot, but absolute beast.
0: So do you think that, you know, that's a roster thing? Do you think you guys need to maybe, like, shed some of the third or fourth line scores and, and pick up some more bigger players, or...? I... I don't know, because you they're a bunch of kids who
1: I don't know if they're going to get bigger and work into their size or not. Like, Lafreniere and Kako both need to... Lafreniere needs to use his size. It's a fact. hes He just needs to use his size, and he needs to use his speed along with his size. He And he hasn't really come into it yet. Kako, I just would like to see him get more into the game. But... Every issue that I have with the Rangers comes down to either grit or fire. They lack fire under them, and they have no
0: grit. You know, the problem is, even if a guy like Laugh, you know, who's a stocky kid, he's a big guy, even if he gets bigger, he's probably not going to be using his size in a traditional checking role because he's a skill player. You know, I'm I'm more asking, like, do the Rangers maybe need a fourth line like a Martin Sizikas clutterbuck line just to kind of balance out the roster a little bit?
1: 100% they need they need a good third line center who's a little bigger.
0: So I would love to see them get maybe some power in that down that center position. he's not like a, he's not playing anymore, but like maybe like a Mike Richards kind of guy, even though Richards was smaller, mm-hmm. like he played kind of like in that way. Um but the Rangers just need a captain more than anything. Well, and then my other question, you know, keeping on like the the whole train of thought with the leadership is how long does David Quinn like? What's his leash like at this point? Is it if they start next season bad, he's already going to be out? Like, where's the leash with Coach Quinn right now? Consider
1: considering they fired Parros and Gordon on a dime. Davidson. Or Davidson, my mistake.
0: We want them to fire Paris. Yeah, I am going to say, um,
1: considering they fired Davidson and Gordon on a dime, I would say his window could be as quick as the off season, But it could also be as long as all of next year. Because clearly, there's some allegiance to him if he wasn't fired in this whole spew of firing. Because three games left in the season, you already fired your GM and your president?
0: I mean, you know, I would think that the coach would be on the chopping block if the reason given was that the team was underperforming because you can't, you know, the old saying is you can't fire a team, you can fire a coach. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be interesting, especially because you have to think about it. You know, Chris Drury is the new acting president of the New York Rangers. And traditionally speaking, inherited coaches don't last very long. You know, a lot of times coaches that are inherited from the previous regime, unless they're like a super successful franchise at that point, generally speaking, GMs like to have their own guys behind the bench. So that might also kind of be a factor here. And. I don't know. I mean, I just think, like, there's better options. You know, there's a lot of t- roster issues that I have with the Rangers, but I think, I think that you can point to coaching as a big part of the reason why this team struggled so much this year, because a lot of the decisions that Quinn made were questionable. I mean, if you want to just talk recent history, the last two games against the Islanders, you know, those two games prior to yeah, and there's like eight guys in the box right now. <laughs> this is a joke. I, I would love to see them run out of guys. I mean, at the end of the Islanders fight night, there was four guys on the bench. They only had four guys left to play on the bench, so everyone else got thrown oh, out. Oh, here
1: we go. This is an awesome Rangers game. To anyone who, you should honestly go watch it just because of all the fights. You just need to watch the first period. There's already been seven fights.
0: See, it's interesting because a lot, like, these are obviously, like, very staged fights. Like, these are fights that were, like, agreed to. I'm curious to see like as the game wears on. Well, they jumped Tom Wilson. No, no, no. Rooney absolutely jumped Tom Wilson. I'm saying like, I'm afraid, I'm interested to see like as the game goes on because like these are fights like off the face off a lot of these early like... fights.
1: Later in the game, let's see if it's keep if this grit keeps up. But um, let's move on to a different team. We've been on this. We've been on the Rangers for too long. Um, let's just completely change topics. I don't mean to <laughs> cut you off, but like we've been on this way too long.
0: I mean, it's an interesting team because there's a lot of stuff going on with them, and they're a team I think that's gonna be worth watching in the off season um
1: by the way, I, I don't mean to cut you off, but Strom actually did piece him up i love and that's crazy but um
0: so I guess the next team that we we can we can get get into here is I guess we'll talk about the coyotes because I don't think there's as much there as there is with other teams. Is it, is it an issue of the Coyotes' team being questionable? Was it an issue of them just having to deal with some really good teams in their division? Because they are going to be going... The thing is, the Coyotes have to realize, next season they're going to be back in the Central Division. So it's not going to get any easier for them next year. No. The competition arguably gets harder. So... I mean, what went wrong? Like, What happened to them this year? Did anything
1: really go wrong, or are they just actually just that bad? I can't tell, because last year... I think that they've been a dumpster fire since their Not the most recent playoff run. Do you remember their playoff run before that, that they had? The deep one, where they
0: went to, like, the second round? I think it was... Yeah, I think they, they only ever made it to the second round. But there was one year where they knocked off the Blackhawks. I know that um i I, because last year it's odd because last year the team really was really good for the most part up until it like when they traded for taylor hall like you know the wheels kind of fell off the wagon for some reason like they just started dropping games left right and center like they were in the mix to win that pacific division for a long time phil castle was playing amazing It's just odd. Like, I look at, and I mean, we've talked at length about the fact that the roster is weird. It's this weird mix of, like, speed and youth, but also, like, these slow players that can't keep up anymore. I mean, I think the goaltending is good. I think Ronta and Kemper are a solid pair. They just can't stay healthy to save their life. And I don't know. It's just a very.
1: The problem with that organization is they have no place to start. Where do you start? Goaltending, defense, forwards? They need to pick a position to start at, and I would honestly say they should probably start at goaltending because if you have a good goalie, and honestly, for all intents and purposes, ignoring the players and speaking just from a franchise perspective, you really don't care if you burn a goalie out, you get the last maybe two, three years out of his career when the, your youth on the team finally caught up and you actually got some competitive seasons and then you can just replace the goalie. Not that a goalie is easy to replace, but he's a lot easier to replace than a whole lineup. Or well, he's an easier place to start than a lineup.
0: I mean, the question is, well, what are you building for? Are, do you think that they should, like, are you saying that they should retool, go on for a full-on rebuild? Like, what do you think?
1: No, they should probably rebuild. They should pro. they should they They need to rebuild because like i said they have no they have no grounds to start, and i don't necessarily think that they in five six, seven years they could be a a young not competitive but they could be a young kind of maybe who's a, a young team that we they could be not the the Florida panthers are or they could be a Minnesota wild as they are right now in like eight
0: years. I mean, I just think that them going back to the Central Division is it's going to be difficult for them. Because, I mean, let's be honest here. The Pacific is just going to be horrendous next year. I mean, there's unless the Seattle Kraken or the Vegas Golden Knights 2.0, that division is going to be horrendous. So the fact that they're leaving that division for the Central is tough. Because I think the Blues are going to be better than they were this year, next year. I mean, obviously, you still have the Colorado Avalanche. Maybe the Dallas Stars get their act together. If the Blackhawks have Taze back, or even, even if they don't have Jonathan Taze, even if they just have Kirby Doc for a full season next year, like they look like they're going to be okay. So, I just don't see the pieces on this roster coming together in a window that's going to work because a lot of their better pieces like guys like Phil Kessel— or I think Derek Broussard is back on the on that team now. He is. You know, Ekman, Larson. Like, by Step the time... On. Step-on. By the time that this roster is ready to compete, those guys are going to already be, like, 35, 36 years old. Step-on's already, like, 32 or 3, I think. Yeah, so it's like by the time this team is ready to go your window's going to be two years long is that even really worth it and then you're going to be in a weird spot where you have guys like you're gonna have like a 26 to 27 year old clayton keller and like a 27 year old like jacob chikrin but now you have to wait another five years like I... uh, that's why i think that they should essentially just start the rebuild i don't just like completely tear it down just start like right from the beginning again just because essentially what they're trying to do right now is they're trying to put a jigsaw puzzle together that but they don't have all the pieces so they're taking pieces from other jigsaws and like trying to like fit them in exactly and it's so like instead of having like a sunflower you have like a sunflower but the middle is like some dude's face and it's like they're trying to put like like, a bike together but they have or they have together. motorcycle parts but also like speedboat parts so it's like (laughs) they're
1: trying to put a car together but they have everything but car parts
0: so it's just, you know, I think that they should just bite the bullet, which kind of sucks because, like, they do have some nice young talent. Like, Connor Garland, I think, is a good player. Obviously, Clayton Keller, Jacob Chickren, But it's just not all going to come together in a way that's going to be homogenous in time for the team to compete, I don't think. So, I mean, why they missed the playoffs this year is, they just couldn't. They couldn't score. I mean, they just had a lot of scoring issues. And they, I think honestly, they were just outclassed. They were, the teams in that division are were just better than them.
1: But with the season that the Blues are having,
0: they should have been in the race. Well, it's crazy because they were in the race for a long time. Only it only because the Blues were just like so bad for some reason. That's what,
1: that's what I'm saying. I would have. I think they should have made it because of how bad the Blues played throughout the season. Like they should have.
0: Seized the opportunity, but they flopped it instead. It's definitely interesting as as far as that team goes. I mean, if I was them, I would try to convince the Kraken to take one of their bad contracts and then just kind of tear it down this offseason. I mean, we heard all the rumors about ekman Larson (laughs) Like I don't know, like eight like eight guys just came out of the box. There's been over it's been over five minutes since the whistle. And so like
1: literally seven guys just every came out of each fight team's from box. The, from like after the first face off on just came out
0: of the box it was literally six guys it was awesome so it's definitely gonna be hard for the 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 Yotes. and it's disappointing because two years ago I was really excited about this team I was like oh you know they 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 look like they're on the rise they got all these new players and then it just kind of fell apart I mean it, I think that teams are are underestimating how important it is to build from within. I mean, when you look at a team like, again, I, I hate to keep bringing them up, but the New York Outers, right? Like, when you think of the core of that team, like 90% of the core of the team was a draft pick. You know, the only players right now that I would consider core players that came from outside the organization is Nick Letty, who came from Chicago. Barlamov obviously came by way of the Colorado Avalanche. But Barzell... Um, or Eberle, obviously it came from the Oilers, but Barzell, Lee, Bailey, Bovillier, Wallstrom, Pellic, Pulak, Mayfield, Sorokin, all draft picks, all came from within. Brock Nelson came from within. I just think that teams severely underestimate that. They're like, yeah, we'll get a couple good draft picks, and then we'll kind of just fill in the gaps from outside the organization. And it's like, look, you need – to have that homogenous, like, team. You can't just have... And I think this was also what hurt the Wild for so long because the Wild had this homogenous team and then they tried to... They were essentially like if they were building Frankenstein's monster, they had everything and then the head and the heart came from, like, two different places. And so their whole body, like, fell apart. And they were like, what happened? It's like, well, because you had a team and then you tried to insert Parise and Suter onto it and Devin Dumnik and it just, like... you. you Basically, like most of the of your Frankenstein's monster here is, you made it just doesn't work. You had like one decent playoff run, and it wasn't even decent. Got past the first round a couple times, but like it's kind of like they had an Xbox, and then they put like a bunch of PS4 stuff in it, and they're like, "Why doesn't it work?" It's like, well, (laughs) like I mean, well, no, they were just playing with dead. They were playing with dead batteries, so they kept turning it on and being like, "All right, I got thirty seconds." I mean, do you do you agree? Do you think that like teams are underestimating how important it is to? be like build from within the organization no i i I actually i agree with you to a very large
1: extent because you can't like you can't build a team and presume somewhere down the line you're going to get the missing piece because you get what like happened to let's say um the blues who, when it came down to it, they said, oh, we'll replace Petrangelo in a few years. Like, it's not a big deal. We'll just, you know, work it out. And then they... Torrey Krug was the best option, and he, while playing really well, Torrey Krug
0: is good. He's just not Petrangelo. He's not
1: Petrangelo. He doesn't do the defensive job that Petrangelo did. So, you you can't build these teams with these prefaces that you're going to have these just... Star players, like and look at the Oilers from when we were younger. Those teams every year they thought that the next draft pick was going to be the next Wayne Gretzky. And giving a lot of them were honestly supposed to be like Nail Yakupov was supposed to be a next coming when he came out. Taylor Hall was supposed to be a next coming, and he and he when he first joined the league he was amazing. He blew up for that team, but you, you we saw many picks and they kept saying, and they not that they didn't have good teams, but. And then they would build that, and they said, all right, we'll get a goalie eventually. We're getting first-round picks. We're loading up our forwards right now. We're building a superstar roster of young kids. We'll get a goalie later. And now they've just been subbing in these goalies, and Mike Smith is not cutting it.
0: I mean, I think... You know, the Oilers are a good example of how not to build from within because they tried to build through the draft, but their problem was they didn't diversify their draft picks ever. They just kept drafting scoring forwards. Yeah, like I I said,
1: their issue... It's not that the building was the issue with them. It was that they they assumed that they were going to solve a problem down the line that they couldn't solve.
0: Well, they just didn't diversify their draft picks. Like, instead of having, like... You know... Instead of drafting, like a really good defensive defenseman high one year and then a really good goalie high one year. They were just like, oh, who's the best available scoring forward? He's my draft pick. And it's like you can't draft 16 scoring forwards and it expect ev- the rest of the team to, like, come together. It eventually bit them in didn't bite them in the ass because they got McDavid out of it.
1: But they wound up, they drove many of those superstars out of there. I think now Yakupov, he had a shitty attitude, whatever, we can talk about it another time. But, like, I think he could have been better than what he was. I think that they threw him out of the they think they threw him to the dogs too early. Taylor Hall, they didn't stunt his career, but I think they kind of kicked him down a notch for the worse when McDavid took over and just took over his team.
0: I mean, Eberle essentially got driven out by Taylor Hall and then Taylor Hall got driven out by Connor McDavid, so Yeah. it's like And I, I I
1: think I would I honestly believe that that is part of the reason Taylor Hall was a different player before Connor McDavid joined the league.
0: But, I mean, that's also part of the issue. Is like, that just goes to show that you can't keep drafting the same players because they're just going to keep supplanting each other. Like, your top... If you draft a defensive defenseman in the top 10, he's not going to push your scoring winger out of your team because they're not competing for the same ice time. And, you know, it's interesting because... The Oilers are just kind of an example of how not to build from within, and I'm not saying like you can't have major parts of your organization come from outside your organization, because there are teams who's, who have had really big players from outside the team. I mean, when you look at the L.A. Kings Stanley Cup wins, I mean, uh, uh, Mike Richards was by way of the Philadelphia Flyers, like he was a big Mike piece. Richards and
1: Marion Gaborik were two of the biggest pieces on that team, and they both were brought in.
0: But the core three or the core four, really, when, when somebody said L.A. Kings, you'd Kopitar, Dustin Brown, Drew Doughty, Doughty, and Jonathan Quick, Jonathan Quick were organizational pieces.
1: Those are the four guys you said every time. Uh, when you when pe- when when I mentioned, most people forget that Gabrick was even on that team, and he had sixty goals or whatever,
0: or, he didn't score um, 60, or no, scored um, like thirty. It was
1: he, he had um I know he had something stupid in the playoffs. He had like twenty points in the playoffs or whatever yeah. it was though.
0: But, so, uh, that's not to say that, like, obviously, even when look, you take a look at some of the teams we're talking about, like, New York Island, like, Eberly's a big part of the team. He came outside the organization. But your, your, your core, most of the core, I don't think you can take ham scraps and make it into a core. Like, the only exception to this rule to this point, I think, has been the Vegas Golden Knights, but that's just because the nature of being an expansion team, you are given ham scraps, and look at you the, have to turn that into a team. Look at the Rangers when um, they had Rick Nash. It was a Most of that team, I mean, McDonough was a trade from the Canadians, but he didn't develop in Montreal. He developed in New York. He was a New York Ranger. Like, I don't consider him from outside the organization because he didn't develop until he hit New York. Yes,
1: that's what I'm saying. So, time and time again, we've seen a superstar can change to a team. A team can't change to
0: uh, a whole group of superstars can't make a team. I mean, Chicago Blackhawks is a big thing. Uh, four guys you used to think about was Seabrook Keith Taze Kane and then even if you throw in Crawford like those guys were all from within the organization and even like Andrew Shaw I don't remember I think he was a draft pick of theirs I think so I think he was from within I'm not positive on him but it's just one of those things where it's like I think that's kind of what is dooming the Phoenix Coyotes right now it's just because like they're trying to build this Frankenstein's monster of pieces that aren't theirs like Phil Kessel, you know, both um, Auntie Ranta and, well, and Darcy Kemper came from outside the organization. And that's not to say they're not playing well because they're both playing extremely well, but, you know, Kessel, Brassard, Stepan, goalies are, like
1: I think goalies can be brought in just because of the nature of their position. It's they're different. They're
0: a team player, quote unquote. Yeah, exactly. But, like, Derek Stepan, uh, Alex Goligoski for a while was on his team, Phil Kessel taylor hall last year like they just keep trying to like i said build this frankenstein's monster apart and they're not giving their own team like a chance to mesh you know what i'm saying like every time something doesn't work out they're like oh who's the new guy on on free agency i I want him he's gonna be on my team now
1: that guy with the without with the new visor he's got the the reflective one i want him
0: yeah so i mean they're they're a difficult team and i guess we'll kind of Start to wrap it up with the last team we want to talk about, which is the Dallas Stars. And I mean, is there really like anything to? I mean, there's a lot to say about this team, but obviously we have to talk about their inability to win past regulation. I mean, was it 13 overtime losses?
1: 13 overtime losses, six shootout losses, or I think they're six and two in the shootout. Two and six, you mean? Are you two and six? My mistake. Yeah, they're two and six in the shootout this year. Like, come
0: on, guys. I mean. You can point to some big injuries. <clears throat> like, obviously losing Tyler Sagan hurts. Losing Radulov hurts. Kudobin being in and out on the season playing, hurts. He was kind of, like, mediocre. He, he,
1: he was injured. He was, like, he, he actually he didn't play that bad when he went out there. He, put up, he, has a, he actually has a decent amount of points on the season for the games he's played. But he, he was hurt. You, like, you, you can't expect him to go out there and
0: give, him, give 110% when he's concerned if he's going to play the next game. You know, the reason that I don't feel bad, though, is because there's so many other teams who had big pieces. Like, the Islanders have been without Andres Lee since, like, game 20. The Tampa Lightning haven't had Kucherov at all. <laughs> Stankos has been out for a while. They lost—Stankos um, was out a couple times this season, actually, with different things. Like, they haven't had Kucherov at all. The Blues didn't have Tarasenko at all. And granted, listen, the Blues haven't been playing great either, but they've still managed to work their way into a playoff spot. Like, injuries suck— The Capitals were without Ovechkin and have been without him for a while. That stick flew in the air. Like, injuries are a part of hockey, and you can point to injuries as a quote-unquote excuse, but at some point, you have to find a way to win games. Like, you just... Nobody's going to feel bad for you. Like, teams aren't taking it easy on the Lightning because, like, oh, well, they don't have Kucherov this year, so, like, maybe we won't score as many goals. Like, no, like, you have to find a way to win hockey games without your players, and, you know, I think the Stars were expecting some players to take big steps this year. Like, Hishkinen has kind of been a disappointment. Not on the defensive zone. He's been as good as ever defensively. But his offensive play definitely, they were expecting like 60 points out of him. He's going to get like 20 to 30. It was,
1: it's kind of funny. Klinberg and him kind of switched roles a little bit this year in that Klinberg took the offensive position and was on the first power play, if I'm correct, where Hishkinen went.
0: It was eventually dropped down to the second power play. I mean, you know, they expected Dennis Gurionov to take a step after his 20-goal rookie season, and he's only just been kind of okay, I think. I mean, they've got a really, really nice surprise in Jason Robertson, who's been absolutely a monster. fantastic for this club. I mean, this kid, if Kaprizov wasn't playing as well as he is, then Robertson would be the runaway Calder Trophy winner because he has almost as many points as him. He just doesn't have as many goals. He's more of a playmaker. He's dishing the puck instead of scoring. So, I mean... If he doesn't even get a few votes, it'll be criminal. I just... You know, obviously the the thing that hurt the Stars this year is the lack of scoring. I mean... And we knew that going into the year. We said this last year. We said, man, it would really be nice if Dallas could maybe go out and get, like, one more... Like, one more scoring winger, you know? And it's something that they just didn't choose to address... In the off season, questionably, so I guess my big question is like, what do they? Where does this leave them? I mean, you go from a Stanley Cup final to not even making the playoffs.
1: This lead, to be fair, Kudobin blew a lot of games against the Detroit Red Wings.
0: Yeah, I mean they lost, and I would know because I also had Jake Ottinger, so I know that they lost way too many games against the Red Wings this year. Like
1: the red, like the reason that the Red Wings aren't. Didn't get to tank the, their season as much as they wanted to is because of the Dallas Stars.
0: Well, and also the Blue Jackets had yeah. to lose to literally everybody. Well, yeah, yeah, but like
1: the Blue, ignore like even then the Detroit Red Wings still should have lost more. <laughs> but somehow they have just he and I don't want to blame Kudobin because the defense hasn't really looked that great honestly out there. But that's not the, and I don't but that's not to say that the defense is really playing bad. They're just making mistakes that are getting capitalized on, and Kudobin isn't making the save that he needs to. So it's it's a bright like it's an unfortunate series of events I think the whole season for them.
0: So I know we were talking about this the other night, but they now have an issue in net because mm-hmm. you have if Ben Bishop is healthy next year, you're going to run into Ben Bishop, Jake Ottinger. And Anton Hudobin. So do you think maybe one of those guys gets exposed at the expansion draft in hopes that they get taken?
1: Hundred percent. I would think that they're but
0: I, but we actually looked it up and used it, I don't know how I don't know how modified no trade clauses work for the expansion draft. But Bishop has a no trade clause flat, and I think Kudobin has an M N T C so I'm not sure how those work.
1: Which to be honest, I would rather them see get get rid of Kudobin anyway, so I'm not really that if that is possible, I would hope that they maybe try and expose him. But,
0: I mean, they're definitely not exposing Ottinger, because you'd have to be out of your mind to do that. No, that kid is phenomenal. But you know we say that, but there have been reports actually that the Florida Panthers, like we were talking about the other night, with their goalie situation, that they actually are just they're just going to expose Chris Kreider and just let him go. Yeah, and I, wow, that's super shitty. I mean, you're not exposing Spencer Knight, first of all. You're
1: really. not exposing any of your youth on your team. They have too many
0: pieces to give up. Well, I mean, like, just specifically in net, because you have to expose a certain amount of goalies. Like, mm-hmm. you're not exposing Spencer Knight. I'm saying... And uh, I, I don't... Does Bob have a no-trade clause? I don't... Let, me um, let me look this up if... while you give your thoughts. Either... I don't think that they get rid of Bob, but it's... You wouldn't get rid of Bob, because, I mean, you kind of can't. You invested this much money in him, like...
1: I would think it'd be very good for Drieger's career, too, because he's never going to get that front seat in Florida, and he kind of deserves a front seat after how he played the season. He's been absolutely amazing. He has, what, a 2.17 or something like that? And he's, what is he, not, he's seven. He's played 17 games, I think, something like that. He's won
0: nine. Yeah, so Bob has a full no-move clause, so if he doesn't want to go anywhere, he's not going anywhere. Yeah. So... It's funny because like just a couple of years ago we were saying like oh like a team should really start calling the Florida Panthers about Spencer Knight and seeing if they could try to like get him out of there because he's gonna be locked behind Dreger and Babarowski but then like
1: Drijer is twenty two games played thirteen and six with a two seventeen so and it's nine two three save at percent average with three overtime losses so I like he kind of I think he I don't, he's it's one season but he doesn't he kind of maybe deserves that front place position on that team I mean, he, he deserves he played well even last year too he deserves a bigger role at least for a team he deserves the opportunity to be a starter whereas on the Panthers he's never playing to be a starter he's always playing to be a maybe quarter season to half season
0: goalie maybe playing like a third of the season I mean, you know, he's 26 already, so it's about time that he gets his start, right? And it's funny because, like I said, just a couple of years ago, we were talking like, yeah, maybe they should try to move out Spencer Knight. But... And I still think Spencer Knight is too good to be playing behind Bobrovsky, but, I mean, he's only 20 years old, so... Did they just toss Tom Wilson? We just left the game, so like I don't know. <laughs> like
1: let me look this up. But so how much time is left on the period too? They might have just sent him to the locker room because he was starting some fuss. Oh no, it looks like they they gave him two and two. They might have tossed him though.
0: Sorry, him and Booch got
1: on uh... likes and uh, so to break this down while Rob looks this up um, Butchnevich and Tom Wilson were going into the corner Bucinevich gave Wilson a little nuts tap And Wilson didn't like it So they had some words They skated the center ice They kind of got like the refs skating between them They were a little yelling at each other Then Wilson skated over to the bench He started screaming
0: it says Tom Wilson got a misconduct So I don't know if that's a game or just another 10 But And it looks like Keandre Miller might
1: not be hurt there have been four Rangers skate off with what looked like to be injuries throughout this game for what it's worth
0: they gave according to fan tracks they gave Wilson uh, not a game just another 10 minutes because he has 15 minutes in Pims right now so ooh look at this oh ouch oof that's that's painful. That's never good. That's a bad one, but it's the end of the season, so I don't really care. Um. So does Dallas just go into the off season and maybe just pick up like a piece or two on the wings and just say Dallas Let's try goes it again? In, Dallas goes into the off season. They take two
1: weeks off. They get back in training camp, and they just see what's going on, what's vibing, who's like who's skating, who wants it, and really just. I think the worst thing they could do would be take the season and overreact.
0: I think so, too. I think that this is... You can point to a lot of injuries and say that this is kind of an anomaly, honestly. And you can look at the overtime games, and...
1: Yeah, Kudobin didn't play that great, but he was fighting an injury the whole season, and they also all got COVID at some point. So, not all, but, like, a bunch of them got COVID, and they were on COVID protocols for a long time, that team which is why they're even still in the race because they were delayed so long. So, you take this season and you chalk it up, especially after how they played in that bubble.
0: Yeah, and, you know, the, the team, it's not a young team. Like, guys like Ben and Radulov, like, they're starting to get up there, but it's not a team that this one season was going to make or break i mean i think especially with jason robertson playing as well as he is you know you can go into next year and say all right well we're going to be healthy this year sagan should be healthy um guryanov and radulov like everyone should come back healthy
1: everyone should hopefully come back healthy and anyone who had a lingering injury should have like their surgeries or their like care done to them so they come back full it's Part of the reason why we haven't seen Stamkos in these past few games,
0: if I'm correct. He's been, I mean, a lot of teams are resting players If I'm correct,
1: Stamkos is healed at this point. He's just sitting because, or that's from what I I understand, because he's been skating every day, so I presume that he's just out because they don't want to risk it.
0: I mean, like, the Islanders last night against the Sabres scratched Matt Barzell, like, healthy scratches to give him some rest. Like, Bob was scratched earlier in the week. Like, he didn't, he not even being the backup, like, he was just totally scratched completely. Ovechkin oh, played, like, one shift the other night or whatever and just skated off. Just to give, yeah, to give everyone some rest, so... I mean, I think if I'm the Dallas Stars, I would definitely consider trying to get possibly a scoring winger in the off season just to give the team a little bit of help, you know? Um... Maybe, and I like, there's going to be guys available. I'm not going to say Taylor Hall because, I mean, we're going to go over this more about the, uh, when we get into our full on season wrap up, which is next week, by the way, so, uh, like, little surprise. Next week, um, during the COVID makeup games is going to be our full regular season wrap up where we talk about everything, um, including, like, what the season meant, what our opinions on it, but, um, you know, I, I just think that they, they might want to just try to get one piece. Like, you don't even have to go get somebody like Taylor Hall who's going to cost you $8 million bucks. I mean, you can go out and find somebody like Tyler Toffoli who's going to cost you, like, four and a half five. You know, just a little bit of help to kind of round out the top six. If they, Toffoli isn't helping out the top six. He's making the top six. Guys. Well, I mean, yeah, for the Canadians. But I'm saying, like, a player of his caliber, like, not an elite, elite player, but, like, a guy who's reliable. You can count on him. He's going to get you 20 to 25 goals. And you don't have to worry about it. You know,
1: depending on how he plays next season, we may change what we call him.
0: I'm just saying like for now like, yeah yeah, yeah. No, like, I, I... he's that's been like the perception of him since he was in l a like a reliable twenty to twenty five goal scorer and you know kind of like uh for a long time, a guy like you know Matt Molson was for the Islanders like yeah he was gonna he wasn't gonna wow you, but he was gonna like, score scores thirty goals and like that's kind of it that's all you were asking out of him so. I mean, I think the Stars should just go into the offseason, see who's available, try to get maybe a $4 million, $5 million winger, and just take the health into next year and see what happens because it's still a good team. I still think on paper, especially with how well Jake Ottinger played this year, I think on paper this is a Stanley Cup contending team. They just, you know, they just kind of got. I won't say unlucky, but there was a lack of focus past regulation. Once It, it seemed like once they got past regulation, they were like, alright, one point, that's all we need to get, and then they couldn't close it out. So, um, I guess, you know, is there anything else, any final thoughts you want to say kind of on these in-between teams that, I mean, we talked about the Calgary Flames last week, so have to talk about them again. Um, any kind of final thoughts on these tweener teams before we kind of wrap up here? Um,
1: Nah, I mean, it's, we pretty much talked about about everything that we had to,
0: or that we wanted to, this is, so, you know, like I said, a little, uh, preview for next week. We're going to be doing our regular season wrap up during the week of COVID makeup games. Uh, we will be doing, talk about everything that has to do with, uh, what happened in a regular season? Kind of like last year, where we said, like, you know, well, how are we going to remember this season? What do we think about it? Our thoughts, our feelings. And then a week after that, um, I'm not sure how the NHL is going to be doing it. The week after that, there might even be playoffs started because the Canucks are supposed to play the Flames three times that week. But if both teams are statistically eliminated by then, they might just start the playoffs and just have those teams play it out. So I'm not sure. But next week, uh, regular season wrap up, the week after will be our Stanley Cup. Uh, Either preview or predictions, depending on if the seeds are locked in by then. And, yeah, um, just one last thing before you go. I know we talked a lot, and me specifically, you guys know, I've said a lot, a lot of really, really bad things about the Washington Capitals. And I stand by every single one. But um, we do want to uh, extend our condolences to uh, TJ Oshie, who – uh, posted that his dad uh, passed away. I believe yesterday or the day before. Um, we all know the story about him and his dad. His dad unfortunately suffered from dementia. He had a lot of memory problems. So, um, just want to extend our condolences and our well wishes to T.J. and the entire Oshi family uh, during this rough time. So, um, but other than that, uh, I think there's nothing else to really talk about. So we're going to wrap it up here. Next week, uh, regular season wrap up. Week after Stanley Cup final preview. And yeah, so I want to thank everybody for watching and we will see you guys again next time.